Hello, McWarrior fans. This is Duncan Fisher. Today is the dawn of an exciting new league, a trial by fire, a proverbial bloodbath of lasers and autocannons, the likes of which you have never seen. Born from the twisted mind of the Dragon's own Hohiro Karita, this new league will pit the finest MechWarrior units throughout the Inner Sphere against each other via intense skirmish-based combat. If you thought one versus ones and two versus twos was hardcore, just wait, because the Martial Olympiad is reborn. What a difference a week can make. Uh, what's happening, Meg fans? It's Cozen Indigo here, and it is the 16th of April, and we are down to the last round of the competition. Round 6 was another amazing round that saw another two MOR Division Champions crowned, so congratulations to Diamond Shark Alpha Galaxy Command Cluster, who scraped home by the narrowest of margins in NA Div C, uh, and to Powerhouses Imperial EMP, who won NA Div A in impressive fashion, going through that very, very tough division undefeated. Plenty to talk about in the remaining two divisions that are as yet undecided, uh, especially the crazy, crazy action in what has turned out to be the most competitive of divisions in a Div B. So let's talk results. So in round six, I'll start with EU Div A. We saw three games in EU Div A, which included two round six games uh, and a makeup round three game. A very, very big win by RJF over uh, the previously undefeated Eon, uh, and that was really, really definitive uh, as it gave First Jaguar Guards an opportunity, of which they took full advantage of. They had an excellent win, 4-1 over Eon uh, in that makeup game, and that really catapulted JGX to be in a commanding position to take this division. So as mentioned, RJF beat Eon in the round six game. That was 3-2. An excellent win there. Phoenix Legion played first Jaguar Guards in the other round six match, and first Jaguar Guards won that uh, four to one. And there was that third match, the makeup one between Eon and first Jag Guards, which first Jaguar won in very impressive fashion. On to NA Div A, and as mentioned, EMP confirmed themselves as the winner in this division, though the games this round were significant, probably more for the two most boring drops we've ever seen uh, two ties between 228 Blackwatch and Black Omen, uh, and they probably demonstrated why HPG domination isn't necessarily uh, the best map and mode, uh, playing out those stalemates. Probably what was even more significant uh, was the fact that the crossover match between Smoke Adders and Black Omen resulted in Smoke Adders taking two drops off uh, Black Omen. So that's the first time that a Div B team have taken even one drop uh, off a Div A team, and Smoke Aiders <clears throat> were able to take two. So uh, that may prove very, very significant. So uh, in NA Div A, we had EMP versus 228th Blackwatch, and EMP took that one pretty easily, all things considered. Uh, they won that 4 1, uh, taking a bit of a meme deck uh, at the end there to uh, drop the fifth and final match. Uh, as mentioned, 228 Blackwatch also played back Black Omen in a makeup game, and this match uh, had those two ties in there. So uh, Black Omen did take that 2 1 in the end, but uh, yeah, it was pretty uh, uninspiring to watch. Uh, and yeah, in the crossover match between Black Omen and Smoke Adders, uh, Black Omen won that one 3 2. 
So on to NADIVB, and this is where it is going to get really, really interesting. So I'm going to go through the results here, uh, and I'll talk more specifically about the standings and the implications uh, a little bit further on. Suffice to say that in the last round, every single drop is going to matter in what is now a four-way race. Wow, what a division it has become. So what we did see was a match between White Knight Legion and 228 Death from Above, and that's the feature game I'm going to discuss, so I'll talk a little bit about what happened there. We had a match between Potato Killers and MS Crab People, and Potato Killers won this 5-0. So they made a couple of very, very good pilot additions to their roster, and that really gave them some impetus for this 5-0 win. Uh, it is crucial for Potato Killers and catapults them right into the race. Uh, it means that Crab People are now not a chance at all, and uh, it really does set up a mouth-watering contest uh, between Potato Killers and White Knight Legion in the last round. And Clan Crossfire, my own team, uh, played the answer, uh, and we won that 3-2. Uh, it was the only match in the division that really didn't have too many implications, uh, but we were happy to uh, get a good win against the answer, uh, who absolutely obliterated us uh, in the two brawl drops, drops two and three. But uh, yeah, we were able to win. The other drops, which were more trade-based, uh, but it was a good game, and uh, thank you to the answer for that one. We did see two games in NA DivC. Uh, DivC has been fantastic, and this one actually came down to the very last drop in the match between Dropship 4 and Cameron's Highlanders. Dropship 4 needed to win three drops to win the division, uh, and it came down to 2-2, two -two, uh, and Claymore came in and spoiled the party, taking the fifth and final match and handing DSAG uh, that division. So, wow, how amazing was uh, that? So, Dropship 4, yeah, they went down 2-3 to Cameron's Highlanders Claymore, and there was also a match between Bears Brawlers and Blackthorn Dragoons, uh, which didn't influence the final standings, uh, but Bears, uh, Blackthorn Dragoon won that pretty convincingly 4-1. We did also see one makeup game in NA Div D between Diamond Shark 39th Strike Cluster and Cameron's Highlanders, Sons of Thunder. That was a relatively close match, and Diamond Shark got up in that one. They won that one 3-2. So what were our key takeaways from round six? Uh, Forest Colony Classic Winter played uh, much the same in this round as it did in round four when it was just Forest Colony Classic. Uh, a lot of teams used that range advantage from team two, though we did see a couple of teams opt to rotate in the water and try and trade from there, which wasn't necessarily that successful. Grim was an interesting map, and whilst we often saw just people push to the middle, rotate round, and, and uh, attack each other, pretty similar to Caustic, uh, there were some teams that decided on some interesting strats. Uh, in particular, the 228 Blackwatch uh, game against EMP. 228 really did try some unusual tactics, which was, was pretty cool to see. Uh, Rubelite was the most popular map this time round. Uh, and we did see Alpine twice, River, and Terra once as well. On to our top five pilots in the round, and looking just at those who played three or more drops, and uh, man, we have got a star-studded lineup in this round. Uh, in fifth, we have Kondo from the NA Div A team Black Omen, uh, who averaged 438 damage and 301 match score, nabbed five kills uh, across three rounds. In fourth, we have the Titanic Lizzie, uh, who was particularly destructive for both Black Omen and Eon. Lizzie averaged 528 damage and 300 match score across the 10 rounds he played. So yeah, crazy. 
another Titan from Eon, uh, Mech Build Whisperer Den Earwalker. Uh, and Den Earwalker averaged 504 damage and 320 match score across five drops, which included seven kills. Uh, in second this week was faction play stalwart Yondo Udonta of NA Div B Team Potato Killers, who brought his long range accuracy to the comp scene, uh, averaged over 600 damage and 345 match score uh, across the five drops he played in. Uh, but the top pilot this round was the Enigmatic Vortex, uh, who joined Potato Killers just this round and immediately proved his worth, uh, averaging a tick under 600 damage and a crazy 372 match score across the five rounds he played in. Uh, what really set Vortex apart this week was he just couldn't be killed, basically. Uh, he didn't die at all across those five rounds uh, and just poured damage uh, out of the Mad Cat. Uh, and the Vulcan that he played. So yeah, a pretty dominant display. What an addition Vortex is for the last two rounds of comp for Potato Killers. And it might just be the thing that helps the team kind of snatch this division uh, from those other teams that are vying for the title. Right, to the standings now. And uh, this is where I'm going to do a bit of a job to explain to you what we can expect, particularly in the hotly contested NA Div B. Uh, there are just those two divisions uh, that are undecided, so we'll talk about each of those. Uh, EU Div A is pretty simple. Uh, there is one more makeup match left, and that's a round four battle between Eon and First Jag. Uh, JGX are 15 points ahead, uh, and they will earn a minimum of 10 points from that game, right? So at the minimum, they could earn two points per loss if they went down 5-0, uh, and that would take their tally to 123 points. Eon are currently on 98 points, and if they win every drop, they'll gain 25 points and end up on, you guessed it, 123 points. So JGX just need to win one drop, and they win the division. So if Eon do win 5-0, then we go to kills as a tiebreaker, uh, and at the moment, JGX are on 167, and Eon are on 163. Uh, though I still do need to confirm with the comp admins as to whether the tiebreaker is kills, as in how many uh, kills your team has got, or whether it's deaths, which is how many mechs on the opposition died in the matches that you played. So those are slightly different things because, of course, someone could kill themselves by suiciding or, or overheating. So either way, it does set up a humdinger of a rematch between these teams. Uh, and if you watch the match that just happened and you listened to the interviews, you probably picked up just how frustrated Lizzie was with the way that Eon had been performing. So it's going to be super interesting uh, to see whether they turn that round. Uh, and given just how good they are, I would not be surprised to see them play much, much better than they did. Uh, and yeah, they are going to need that 5-0 and they are going to need a uh, better kill differential than JGX. So yeah, can't wait for that one. Over to NA Div B, and here the picture is a little bit more complicated. Uh, there are four teams that could end up taking this division, and that includes uh, 2 to 8 Death from Above, who are currently on 114 points, Smoke Adders, who are also currently on 114 points, so those uh, two teams are in first equal. We then have White Knight Legion on 111 points, uh, they are in second or, or third. And uh, Potato Killers are uh, in the fourth position there on 108 points. Now, each team does have a game in round seven, though for White Knight Legion and Potato Killers, they play each other. 
Death From Above have their crossover match with a Div A team, and unfortunately for them, they happen to have EMP. Uh, Smoke Adders uh, also have a match, and that is against the might of Clan Crossfire. So quite simply, it will not just depend on who wins those matches, but how much they win by, and every drop is going to count. So remember that every drop that a uh, team wins, they get five points. Uh, So each team could earn a maximum of 25 points from the match, uh, and they get two points from a loss. If I'm honest, I'd say that there's probably three main factors to consider in regards to maybe who you should put your, your money on for the bookies. Now, the first one is who wins the White Knight Legion and Potato Killers match, and probably more importantly, by how much. It's going to be a titanic battle between two very, very good teams. Potato Killers have been a little bit up and down, but now that they have added Vortex to kind of form the center of that team, uh, they might just be a little bit more consistent. Uh, But White Knight Legion have shown real, real strength in this tournament as well. Uh, And they do have Texan Scrublord, who is probably just as valuable a player, uh, someone that you can shoulder a strat to. Uh, And yeah, don't be surprised if his kind of really brilliant light play makes a difference in one or more of these drops. Either way, uh, the team that wins will need to win well, given that they are both at least a drop or half a drop behind Death From Above and Smoke Adders. So that game is going to be awesome. The team that wins is going to want to or even need to win very, very well. That's the first point. The second point, can Death From Above take any drops off EMP? So up until last week and Smoke Adders had their heroics, no Div B team had taken a drop off a Div A team. So DFA are going to have to likewise buck that trend. And we know that that is going to be tough given that it is the last round and the pressure that exists. And they're not only playing the top team in Div A, but arguably the top team in the tournament. Now. A positive for DFA is that they are well led by Seabiscuit and the group there. They are disciplined. Um, They've got an attentive and talented pilot group. uh, And they are lucky enough to be able to tap into that 228 hive mind, upload advice and strats, and even practice them against Blackwatch, um, who have first-hand experience against EMP. But I'll be honest, Death From Above probably have the hardest path to winning this division because that path takes them through EMP. And they'll want to not just win, but win well. So number three is can Clan Crossfire play the spoiler and take drops against Smoke Adders? Now, Clan Crossfire, we haven't been at our best in this tournament, I'll be the first to admit. And Smoke Adders will definitely be hot favourites for this match, and so they should be. Unlike Potato Killers, uh, we don't have that 99.9% Yales list pilot to just drop in our roster. So we're going to have to try and do this um, with what we've got. Uh, and yeah, just try and upset the uh, snake train and nab a drop or three. Now, every drop that Clan Crossfire can win will really hurt Smokers. So they'll want to play to win not just the match, but every single drop. Smokers have the advantage because they've got a lead on White Knight Legion and Potato Killers. So even 3-2 probably gets them the division. And realistically, they are the team with the best chance of getting the full 25 points from the match. Uh, They are playing the lowest seeded opponent of any of the teams that are trying to vie for the win there. So yeah, hard to understate, of course, just how valuable those two drops against Black Omen were. Uh, That meant that they walked away with, say, 10 points from those two drops rather than four points. 
and that may make all the difference going into this game against Clan Crossfire. As I said, for Smoke Adders, it will uh, be about just putting it to bed, putting it all in their own hands, trying to run us 5-0 uh, and taking the division from there. So a fantastic final round coming up and NA Div B in particular has been very, very good. Uh, great to see that more than half of the teams in that division have something to play for this round, uh, whether it be a chance to win or for Clan Crossfire, a chance to spoil. Uh, and every single drop is going to count. So make sure that you tune in and see all of those games. Right, to the featured game now, and uh, I uh, picked the round six matchup between uh, 2-8 Death From Above and White Knight Legion. Uh, as mentioned, this one was particularly influential because it really did set up uh, what we will see in round seven. It helped give uh, Death From Above uh, as good a chance as they could hope for. Uh, they do have a hard path, but uh, they certainly made it easier by performing so well uh, in this match as well. White Knight Legion, of course, have been knocking on the door in Division B the entire tournament. Uh, they were the early favourites and uh, they, have earned, they have earned every bit of that favouritism with some excellent play. Uh, and this was a very good match. It was cast by System Belmont and Saramon, who did an excellent job. So thank you to those two as well. This did end up in a 3-2 victory for 2-8 death from above. So very, very good from them. And as I said, it's put them in as good a position as they could have got. Uh, leading into that final round. Right, so let's start with drop one. Uh, Forest Colony Classic Winter and Death From Above uh, once again had that favourable position, that favourable Team 2 side here where you get a lot of uh, visibility over the map. Uh, and they went all in on this first drop, bringing really, really strong Dakar Assaults. They had three Blood Asps and three Madcat 2Bs, uh, obviously a very, very strong deck. Uh, White Knight Legend did also bring Dakar, though they had a bit of a mix. They had a couple of uh, Blood Asps and Annihilator, a Direwolf, and a couple of Night Jeers. Death from Above uh, took Kappa early, so they'd raced um, some fast movers there. Uh, but they made the interesting choice of rotating the bulk of their tonnage to Theta and out into the water, uh, into that space between Theta and the ship in the water. So whether Death From Above were trying to isolate some of White Knight Legion's mechs or limit the firing lines, I'm not sure. Uh, but of course, White Knight Legion moved up and, uh, and a mid-range trade uh, ensued. Death From Above did get an early pick on John McFuzzy, but uh, as the battle continued, White Knight Legion just spread their line out a little and got generally a concave. Uh, and they used a Texan and his Vulcan on their right on, on DFA's left flank to just harass, harass, harass in the water. White Knight Legend just wore through the DFA mix uh, at the end with a better firing line and, and just generally better position. So DFA had really positioned themselves out of this match, to be honest, uh, by just taking an area where it was hard for them to move from, uh, there was less cover, uh, and they'd, they'd given up the high overview positions that they had taken up previously in, in a match that they'd run earlier uh, that they'd won earlier in round four so they'd moved to a position that I think was yeah probably easier for White Knight Legion to hit them from from multiple angles uh, and yeah it was just too much of an advantage for you know the high skilled pilots on uh, White Knight Legion and they just ran down DFA in the end they won that one 8-4 to get them off to a very very good start uh, Texan Scrub Lord, Drop Bear, and Scout Derek were all fantastic in this one, each of them doing over 800 damage. 
uh, and for DFA, Invictus was pretty strong, doing over 700. All right, we went on to drop two and on to the brawling drops. Uh, Grimplexus was the map this time round, and White Knight Legion opted for a pretty interesting deck here. A Saruman in the cast called it Top Heavy. Uh, they had brought three heavies uh, in the form of a Yagamek DD, a Nightgear, and a Sun Spider, and they were all geared uh, to rain down some long range Dakar. And they were complemented uh, just by a few fast movers. Death from Above brought a, a pretty much more traditional fast brawl deck, uh, an energy deck with three linebackers, a couple of crabs, and they were complemented by uh, a couple of commandos and a piranha. Now, using their long range, White Knight Legion opted to post up in the to post the heavies in the gas station, just a, a little way outside uh, of the circle there on Grimplexus, and uh, their light mechs went into the circle and just kind of waited on the slope uh, whilst the uh, heavies gave overwatch with their decker. Uh, but Death From Above, they played this map and this drop pretty perfectly really. They moved into the circle from, uh, from that other side and uh, they moved uh, using the cover of the buildings and they came out onto White Knight Legion's side of the circle and basically pushed into where their lights were. They stalled initially just as uh, White Knight Legion started to kind of rain some Dakar on them, uh, but they realized what was up and they just immediately made a fast push uh, into White Knight Legion. Uh, they got an early pick, uh, taking out a Wolfhound, uh, and from there it was, it was all on basically. They uh, managed a pretty decisive victory here by um, using their DPS, pushing in and really denying White Knight Legion the opportunity to use their range uh, and uh, use the coolness in the DPS of the Dakar heavies. Um, there was a little bit of kind of chasing around, uh, but in the end, uh, this was really a strat victory uh, for Death From Above. Uh, White Knight Legion did have uh, that, that relatively unusual strat, but uh, they just, just weren't quite able uh, to make it work. There was a decent damage spread in this one by Death From Above. Uh, Seabiscuit did a pretty impressive 429 damage in his commando, uh, and Teos was very good still for White Knight Legion uh, in the Jade Kite and did uh, almost 700 damage uh, with that Dakar in a losing cause. But uh, this was an excellent win for Death From Above, uh, and it was exactly what they needed after they'd been uh, pretty disappointing uh, in that first drop. So we ran it back, and uh, this time White Knight Legion opted for probably a, a more traditional drop tech. Uh, they had the Assassin hit squad, so three Assassins, two linebackers, uh, and a couple of Javelins and a Quick Draw in the mix. Uh, Death From Above brought a, pretty much a, another variant of the drop deck that they'd brought in the first drop. Uh, fast Brawl again, uh, Laser Heavy uh, with Stormcrows and three Vulcans. Wasn't really too much foreplay in this one. Both teams just kind of moved to the middle and got it on pretty quickly. Might have been a miscommunication on the White Knight Legends side because uh, Lev198777 zigged uh, when he should have zagged in his linebacker and pretty much charged straight into the death from above lines whilst his team uh, kind of went the other way. Uh, and unfortunately Lev lost his legs in a flash uh, and went down. The rest of the team did change directions and kind of came back and pushed into DFA, but uh, 
DFA's focus fire, I think, was a little bit better here, and they did have the numbers advantage. So they were pretty quickly able to take this one away from White Knight Legion. Uh, the engagement happened pretty much around the top of the hill there, where the circle is centred on, and uh, there was a little bit of chasing around. The damage bred was uh, pretty good in the end, and uh, Lawrence Elsa did some real work in his Vulcan. Uh, he ended up with 450 damage. Uh, and White Knight Legion were probably pretty disappointed uh, in this one, much as DFA were probably disappointed in drop one, uh, because it seemed to be that White Knight Legion just handed the advantage uh, to death from above. Uh, and it was probably nothing more than um, someone mishearing a communication or uh, a communication not being heard or not being made, um, but just something pretty simple that meant that uh, they lost a linebacker really, really quickly, which uh, is, is never ideal. Either way, it was a crucial drop win for Death from Above, uh, and it did edge them a little bit further ahead in this match. And of course, with each drop counting so much, uh, edging them just a little bit further ahead, even in the overall division. So we went to the map ban, and that brought us Alpine Peaks, uh, which is a map that both the teams were pretty familiar with. And given that both the teams are very good when it comes to trading, uh, this one was certainly geared up to be a real contest. Uh, as expected, both teams did bring trade decks, uh, White Knight Legion opting for three of the ever-popular Battlemaster 1Gs, uh, two Hunchies and a Virago, and they had two Incubi, two um, Incubuses running around, which has been uh, actually a, a pretty popular choice for lights uh, on, on Alpine. Death from above was uh, similar but different. Uh, they opted for uh, a couple of Stalkers, a Battlemaster, a Virago, a Nova Cat, uh, and another pretty popular choice for lights on this map are the Panther 9Rs. So it was extended range long lasers just zooming across the map right from the get-go here. Uh, both teams went for caps early, uh, Kappa and Theta for White Knight Legion and Epsi and Gamma for Death From Above. And crucially, Death From Above were also able to nab Sigma. Uh, so after a bit of a brief scuffle between uh, a Piranha and an Incubus there, DFA set up for trade. Uh, they took the mountains there and really just formed a line across the map, right from the big tall mountain across in front of Epsi uh, and on the far side of the map, uh, taking having a Battlemaster stationed up high up on the slope of that mountain uh, on the other side of, of Epsilon. White Knight Legion took the smaller foothills near Sigma and Theta and they were they were actually able to get a pick on Lawrence Elsa uh, in his Piranha, who had uh, taken Sigma, but had kind of hung around for a little bit. And uh, that prompted White Knight Legion to try and then take Sigma back. But then moments later, they lost their Incubus to a very, very well-placed strike. But um, what the match came down to really was that DFA traded better, and they had, they had better positions. So they'd got that three cap early on, and they just protected the caps really, really well. So with the better trading and with the better trading positions, not only did they get kind of the armor percentage uh, advantage, but White Knight Legion were kind of forced to move pretty constantly to just try and get better positions or to move away from getting out positioned uh, from, from death from above. So it was a good example of a really, really well executed strat from death from above. And, and they really won uh, all facets of this drop. So even though they lost the light early. They answered back and took a light back off uh, White Knight Legion. 
Um, but yeah, a, an excellent performance in this one. They had really, really good damage spread across all of their pilots, uh, and they ended up taking this one pretty easy, uh, losing only the one mech and uh, winning it 8-1. So it was the last drop uh, on Alpine Peaks, and certainly still everything to play for for both of these teams. I mean, as mentioned, every point was going to be crucial uh, in this match leading into that deciding round seven and the race for the division. Uh, Death From Above opted for virtually the same drop deck. They had uh, long-range laser builds. Uh, White Knight Legion went slightly different this time round. Uh, they still opted for range, but they decided to bring uh, the front-loaded damage with uh, three Warhawks, uh, forming the core of their team. And truth be told, from what I've seen with White Knight Legion, I think they're probably a little bit more comfortable with that pinpoint front-loaded damage. Uh, they seem to do very, very well uh, with those Warhawks. Once again, though, Death From Above did get the three cap. They raced up, and they were able to uh, nab Sigma with the Piranha and get the early three cap. But unfortunately for them, the Piranha hung around just a little bit too long, and once again, a Piranha got picked. Uh, this time, it was Drop Bear, and once again, it was an artillery strike taking out a light. And uh, unfortunately, Draven Colt in the Piranhas, his night ended prematurely, uh, and he got exploded by one of those shells. White Knight Legion took uh, pretty similar trade positions to Death From Above, uh, the positions that they'd taken in Drop 4. Uh, and Death From Above opted not to trade near Sigma the way that, that White Knight Legion uh, had done, but had decided to stay a little bit deeper in the map, uh, in those hills and foothills that are behind uh, Theta. So it could have turned into a really drawn out trade, uh, but the key moment happened when a Texan scrub lord made a really cheeky play, wrapped all the way around the mountain from Gamma in his piranha and decided to try and get a gank on one of the uh, death from above mechs, in this case one of the trading mechs there, Virago. Uh, it was it was pretty darn ballsy to be honest, and uh, he did some damage but he wasn't able to get a kill. Uh, and he was taken out fairly quickly, uh, but what he was able to achieve was just to put Death From Above off a little bit uh, and to put them behind in the trades. So you noticed very quickly that the percentages changed uh, in favor of White Knight Legion, where they had been relatively even up until there. What it also allowed was White Knight Legion to start moving forward, and basically when the Piranha went in, they began this lumbering march forward, this pretty aggressive, slow push uh, to put some pressure on the long-range trade mix uh, of DFA. And ultimately, it turned out to get them the win, and a very, very good win as well. Uh, the drop really did just come down to that aggression, and uh, although it was pretty unconventional, the fact that Texan uh, was willing to sacrifice himself, I'm sure he would have preferred not to die, uh, but he used his death well, for lack of a better word, and uh, White Knight Legion were really good enough to take advantage of that. So yeah, they got on the front foot and uh, they didn't let it off, uh, and basically they just ran over the top of uh, DFA in this last drop. So again, they had an outstanding spread across their pilots, just showing um, that everyone uh, could contribute. And yeah, although they went down 3-2 overall, this last drop was vital for them as well, just to, to keep them in touch in regards uh, to the overall division. So another in a long line of excellent matches that we'd seen in the tournament and a really, really good display by Death From Above in particular. 
Uh, they really did show how well they obviously plan for these matches, uh, how well they can execute strats, and of course White Knight Legion also showed just how talented they are, how uh, strong their team is, and how good some of their pilots are. I think in particular White Knight Legion are good when they're aggressive. I think they've got such raw talent in the pilots on their team that they are much, much better when they just get in there and get aggressive. As I said, compared to Death From Above, who are a little bit more meticulous, planned, and are doing best when they are focusing on executing strats. So yeah, it was one of the more meaningful games of the rounds. Uh, it was meaningful, of course, in regards to the overall points tally in particular. And it meant that DFA went to equal top of the table. And although they uh, face an uphill battle against EMP, uh, they did everything they could in this match to put themselves in the position uh, to even contest for the division. So well done for, to them. And of course, well done to White Knight Legion, who could have easily got rolled uh, in this one. They could have given up the ghost after that first win, uh, but they hung around and got a vital, vital win in the fifth and final drop. So a very good match. Uh, go back uh, to YouTube and check that one out if you haven't and see these two teams in action. Right, let's talk about the scheduled matches that we have upcoming. And of course, if I, as I have mentioned, this is going to be a particularly exciting round as we get winners uh, in EU Div A and NA Div B. So the matches in which we will see played include that deciding match between First Jaguar Guards and Eon Tatos. That one is not scheduled yet, uh, but I do believe it will be some stage this weekend. Uh, in NA Div B, we have that White Knight Legion versus Potato Killers match. Now, this has been scheduled for Saturday the 20th of April, which should be Friday uh, for most of you on the other side of the world. Death From Above have that match against EMP uh, in the crossover between NA Div A and NA Div B. That is yet to be scheduled. And we have Clan Crossfire versus Smoke Adders in a very influential match. Uh, that, of course, is NA Div B. That one is yet to be scheduled. So just EU Div A and NA Div B to wrap up. And what a finish we have coming up. Make sure you tune into as many games as you can and send uh, some support to the teams, even if they are not your team. Now is the time to get behind everyone. Uh, what a great tournament it has been. And uh, in future, of course, this is the last of the weekly updates. Uh, I will continue to do some wrap-up episodes as we look back and reflect on the tournament as a whole. Um, be covering obviously some different aspects, both the key takeaways from the tournament, the performance of each of the individual teams, and of course how the tournament has gone as a whole. Remember to check out the MWO Comp Discord and be sure to subscribe to the MWO Comp YouTube channel where you can catch the replays. Uh, the live action is found on Twitch and that is at the MWO League, MWO League 2 and MWO League 3 channels. Be sure to follow those and hit the notification buttons to make sure you don't miss out on those games. And of course you can go to the tournament website uh, to check out the standings, see where your team finished up or what those point standings that I mentioned look like. Once again, a very big thank you to the shoutcasters that have worked tirelessly across this tournament to bring you the live action. Your efforts are very, very much appreciated. And of course, to those MWO comp admins who have constructed such a fantastic competition and tournament, uh, your behind-the-scene work is very, very much appreciated as well. And of course, as always, stay subscribed to the Incoming Missile podcast to stay up to date on this and more. 
MWO action. Uh, as mentioned, of course, I will be bringing some wrap-up episodes that reflect on the tournament as we talk about what we have seen and what we might see moving forward. All right, that's enough from me, guys. I will catch you all next week. Now you're weeping trees of cozen and you go gathering and you serve in your Sequence initiated.